elegant Bush Stadium is the setting for America's greatest sports spectacle, the World Series. An air of busy excitement grips St. Louis as fans clamor for tickets. Stan Musial, the greatest cardinal of them all, is immortalized in bronze. There is a decorative confidence in St. Louis, for they're the defending world champions. Celebrities are everywhere, including Senator Eugene McCarthy. Detroit starting pitcher Denny McLean talks about those 31-season victories. General William D. Eckert, Commissioner of Baseball, shows Red Shandings to Mayo Smith the World Series trophy. Suddenly, the vast stadium is hushed, the national anthem is played, and the 65th World Series of Baseball is about to get underway. pre-game meeting of the umpires as they straighten out a rules difference between the two leagues. All eyes key on Bob Gibson, a 22-game winner who established a new record for the lowest earned run average in National League history. He strikes out two in the first and three in the second. Norm Cash, Willie Horton, and Jim Northrup all go down. The St. Louis crowd loves every minute. Denny McLean pitching for the Tigers. Tim McCarver belts a booming triple to right center in the second inning for the first hit off the Tiger pitching star. Denny, however, bears down and fires a third strike past Mike Shannon. Julian Javier at bat, and he too looks at a third strike. Tiger manager Mayo Smith breathes a sigh of relief as the Cardinals fail to score. In the third inning with two out, Lou Brock, the biggest thief in baseball, is now on first. Lightning Lou steals his first base of this series and then continues to third when Bill Freehand's throw goes into center field for an error. However, Brock is left on base and the score remains nothing to nothing. In the Cardinal half of the fourth, Shannon faces McLean with Maris and McCarver on and one down. The Tigers look a little tense as Willie Horton lets the ball get by him for an error. Roger Maris scores the first Cardinal run of the series and McCarver goes to third. Shannon the second on the air. Javier at bat, he singles sharply to right to send McCarver and Shannon racing around for a three-run inning. Sixth inning, Tigers trailing 3-0. McAuliffe batting for Detroit with one out. Dick grounds a single to right. Gibson strikes out Stanley and now faces the veteran Al Kaline. Al lines a double down the left field line. McAuliffe holds it third. Norm Cash is up, but the incomparable Bob Gibson stops the Tigers with another strikeout to retire the side. Bob is now threatening the all-time World Series strikeout record of 15 for one game. Bottom of the sixth, Lou Brock the batter. They say the best thing to do with Brock is to keep him off the bases. I'm sure this isn't what they had in mind. Lou's home run makes it four to nothing, St. Louis.
Gibson is in complete control. Opening the ninth, Gibson faces Stanley, and Mickey loops a single to center. But it's the last hit of the game for the Tigers. By now, Gibson has struck out 14 batters to bring him just one shy of the World Series record. The batter is Al Kaline. Cash is up next, and the count goes to three and two. And this pitch makes history. A standing ovation for Bob Gibson. But Bob's not quite finished. One more out to go, and the batter is Detroit's leading home run hitter, Willie Horton. It's a record 17 strikeouts. Gibson also ties Lefty Gomez's record of six straight victories in World Series competition. It's a new day and new excitement. Millions of fans wonder if the underdog Tigers can shake off the effects of Bob Gibson's 17 strikeouts. Some of these fans are enjoying the luxury of today's modern baseball stadium. For St. Louis, Nelson Bryles, a 19-game winner, is on the mound, and Willie Horton's a batter. It's the second inning. Willie's not tense anymore. He strokes this one smooth as silk. A towering blast that sends Brock racing way back, but to no avail. A home run, and the Tigers lead one to nothing. In the third inning, enter a new hero, Mickey Lowley. Mickey comes to bat and hits a home run. Was Mickey ever surprised? Between the shock of everything, uh, the first base came up right in the middle of my stride, and I stepped right over the top of the base, and I had to go back and, you know, touch the base, and then Wally Moses says second base is that way, so I had to start running in that direction. I've never hit a home run in the 10 years I've been in professional baseball. The best I've ever done was a triple that Tony Canigliero tried to shoestring, and I have hit two legal doubles that I've hit up the gap. That's the only extra base hit I've ever had. I mean, home run in professional baseball. Norm Cash comes up now in the top of the sixth and makes it three to nothing. Even the people in the stands are having a tough time with the shots the Tigers are hitting today. Bryles now faces the next batter, Willie Horton. Willie wraps it deep to short. A long throw to first by Maxville. Safe. It looks as though Cepeda has a beef. Well, let's take a look at that play from another angle. Watch that ball roll up the wrist as Cepeda tries to cradle it against his chest. A great call by umpire Stan Landis. Lefty Steve Carlson relieves Bryles and faces Jim Northrup, who singles. Tigers are simply not swinging at the same stuff they faced in the first game. Wirt walks to fill the bases and upsteps McCullough. A sinking line drive to center seems to fool Kurt Flood. He can't hold it, and it's scored as a two-run single. 
Let's look at that play again. Two runs score, and the Tigers lead five to nothing. In the last of the six, Lolich faces a determined Cardinal team. Brock walks and steals second. With one out, Flood beats out a chopper when Lolich slips. That's Brock on third as Cepeda comes to bat. Orlando bloops a pop fly in the short left center that falls among three Tigers. Brock scores to make it five to one. A double play ends the inning. Detroit's Al Kaline opens the seventh with a clean single to left center. The Tigers come alive again. Pitching coach Billy Muffett tells them to get Ron Willis up in the bullpen. Meanwhile, Norm Cash has his sights on Carlton. Another single right down the middle. Willis pitching now with one out. Horton walks and the bases are loaded. Northrop hits a double play ball right back to the mound. Dal Maxville scoops it up, steps in the bag, fires to first for a beautiful double play. But K-Line scores, and Mickey Lolich again has five fat runs to work on. It's the last of the eighth as Brock tries to get something started for St. Louis. A single with one out. Look at that daring lead by Brock. Lolich tries to pick him off, but Lou immediately breaks for second. It's his second steal of the game and third of the series. With Joe Horner mopping up for the ninth, the Tigers rear up again. K-Line singles to left. Mayo Smith wants more runs. Norm Cash pushes a bunt just over the head of the on-charging Mike Shannon. Shannon still has everything under control, but he's pegged to second, pulls Maxville off the bat. Detroit gets two extra insurance runs when a pair of walk, force in two, and makes it now eight to one in favor of the Tigers. Last of the night, Mickey Lowich faces Ron Davis with two out. Davis lifts a pop-up. Cash moves under. That's it. The Tigers have even the World Series at one apiece. And now it's off to Detroit as the scene of the World Series shifts for the third game. The St. Louis Cardinals and the Detroit Tigers each have their own charter plane and away they go off in the friendly skies. In Detroit, the enthusiasm for the home team is tremendous and hopes have been reborn by Mickey Lowich's victory. It's been 23 years since the people here have had a World Series and you can see the pleasure in the faces of the fans as they hurry to their seats at well-kept Tiger Stadium. And for the millions who watch TV, everything's ready. Earl Wilson pitching for Detroit, first inning. Lou Brock opens the game with a walk and steals second. As Maris takes strike three, Brock tries to go to third and is out by the biggest margin of his life. Ray Washburn on the mound for St. Louis. Third inning, one out. Dick McAuliffe up. It's good for a single to left center. Famed number six, Al Kaline, connects for a beauty. His first World Series home run. 
And the Tigers are on top, two to nothing. Fifth inning now, and Wilson gets into deep trouble. Lou Brock leads off with a hit up the middle. Flood comes up while Wilson worries about Brock. There goes that man again. His second stolen base of the game and his thievery promptly pays off. Flood rifles a double into the left field corner and Brock scores easily from second. Pat Dobson is a Tiger pitcher now. Two on, two out. McCarver the batter. And there it goes. Into the upper right field stands. And the Cardinals now lead the Tigers four to two. Washburn gets the sign in the Tiger fifth. And McAuliffe reminds the Cardinals that the Tigers can hit the long ball too. The St. Louis lead is down to four to three. Joe Horner relieves Washburn in the sixth with a tying and lead runs on base. Bill Freehand the batter. There it goes to deep left. But Brock backs up to the warning path and makes the catch. A stiff wind kept that one from going out. Don McMahon pitching for Detroit in the seventh inning. Kurt Flood opens it with a single. And of course, he's almost as fast as Brock. Roger Maris is the next batter. Tries to check his swing, but bloops a double down the left field line. Orlando Cepeda had hitting problems in the 1967 series against the Red Sox. But this is another year, and there it goes. Willie Horton going back, but is just in there. And that blows the game wide open, 7-3 St. Louis. Now keep your eye on pitcher Horner as he goes for that final out. The batter is pinch hitter Jim Price. He sends a fly ball to deep left. Lou Brock has it. It's a happy Joe Horner as the favored Cardinals take a two to one lead in the series. Next day there's a hangover sadness in Detroit and the skies rain down on Tiger Stadium. But series fans can't be discouraged by this. They come out anyway. For today is the occasion of the heralded rematch between Denny McLean and Bob Gibson. Commissioner Eckert and his aide Joe Reichler discuss the big question, to play or not to play. The Hawkers make their own kind of sunshine in the stands. How come it always tastes so much better at a ball game? Vice President Hubert Humphrey is here with Commissioner Eckert and Tiger owner John Fetzer. So play ball. Denny McLean pitching. The wet weather hasn't dampened Lou Brock. He belts McLean's second pitch into the stands. A tremendous 420-foot home run. What a dismal beginning for the Tigers. One out later, things continue to look really bleak for Detroit fans. McLean, obviously shaken, drops a good throw while covering first against Maris. 
Tim McCarver's up, and baseball's first 30-game winner in three decades is in trouble again. Only a nice cutoff in left center by Willie Horton keeps Maris from scoring. But Maris comes in a moment later as Mike Shannon chops one over the mound and beats it out. Third inning, McLean faces Kurt Flood, the first batter. He singles to right. Once again, it's Tim McCarver. Jim Northrup tries to cut off the ball, but it goes through for a triple. Flood comes in to score, and McCarver pulls up with his second triple of the series. With two out, Shannon doubles down the third baseline, and the Cardinals lead four to nothing. The rains come down hard again, and the umpires call time. They order the field covered, and everybody waits patiently for an hour and 14 minutes on this sunless Sunday. When the action finally resumes, Joe Sparma has replaced Denny McLean on the mound. First man to face Sparma in the fourth inning is Bob Gibson. And there it goes. In 1967, Gibson hit a series homer against the Red Sox. Now he has two for a pitcher's record. Detroit's other nemesis, Brock, drives deep to right center for a triple. And that's all for Joe Sparma. Daryl Patterson takes over the Tiger pitching. Kurt Flood lifts a high fly to K-line in right field. Watch this perfect strike to the plate. Brock wisely holds up in respect for one of baseball's best arms. Maris is up. Look at that jump by Brock as Maris grounds out. And it's now six to nothing Cardinals. In the bottom of the fourth, Gibson gets a wee bit careless. And here's a home run by Jim Norton. John Hiller, pitching for the Tigers in the eighth, gets tagged by Javier. And umpire Jim Honeychick is there to call it. Right on the line for a double. Mike Shannon, who reached on an error, holds up at third. After a walk to Maxville fills the bases, Gibson walks to force in a run. The bases are still loaded. Up comes Lou Brock again, pure poison to the Tigers. He socks a tremendous cloud in the deep center. It's his eighth hit of this World Series. Two runs score. When Stanley hesitates with the relay, Gibson scores, and Brock winds up at second. With Kurt Flood at bat and Pat Dobson pitching, Lou Brock steals his seventh base, tying his own World Series record of a year before. In the last of the ninth, the Cardinals click off a neat double play to end the ball game. Bob Gibson sets an all-time World Series record with his seventh consecutive victory, and St. Louis now leads three games to one. 
One more loss, and Detroit is done. But does that dampen the spirit of Detroit? Does it matter to them that only two teams in World Series history have ever come back from that kind of deficit? If two did, why can't another? So tune up that Tiger enthusiasm. Hang up those Tiger signs. Let's hear those Tiger cheers. Get out those Tiger hats. Let's never forget that cats eat birds, that it's far from over, that Detroit will never say die. And so it's game number five. Will the series end here or go back to St. Louis? Michigan Governor George Romney still hopes for a Detroit miracle. So does American League President Joe Cronin and Tiger President John Fetzer and Hall of Famer Goose Goslin. Mickey Lolich, who owns the one Tiger victory, is Mayo Smith's choice to keep the Tigers alive. It doesn't look good as Brock again leads off with a solid hit, a double down the left field line. More bad news as Flood and Cepeda await their turn. Kurt rams a single to right, and the flying Brock scores easily. Now it's Flood who's threatening to steal. Cepeda the batter. There he goes. And Flood swipes second. And if that isn't bad enough, Cepeda has still another jolt for the tottering Tigers. He sends a high drive to left. It's his second home run of the series, and the Cardinals are quickly in front of Lowley's three to nothing. In the third inning, St. Louis bids for more. Brock leads off in his devastating fashion as he singles for his 10th series hit. He now has a chance to break his own all-time base stealing record. But this time, the Tigers are ready with a pitch out, and Brock is flagged down. Nelson Bryles carries his 3-0 lead into the fourth when Stanley rips one down the right side for a triple. All of a sudden, there's a ray of sunshine. There's hope. Suddenly, it's fun again to be a Tiger fan. One out later, Norm Cash flies to Brock and left. Stanley tags up. The peg is slightly off, and Mickey slides over safely to make it 3-1 St. Louis. Now it's up to Willie Horton to keep things going, and Willie does just that. He belts a drive in the right center alley. Blood handles the ball well, but Horton shows he can move a lot better than people think. Jim Northrup's up. Looks like an easy chance for second baseman Javier. Look at that bad hop. And scoring is Horton. It's a 3-2 ball game now. And that's how it is in the Cardinal fifth when two key plays turn the series around. First with one out, Lou Brock gets his 11th base hit of the series. Horton made a good play on the rebound to hold Brock to a double. How important this is for Lolich and the Tigers soon becomes apparent. Javier is the batter. Brock has a short lead at second. Stanley's been ducking behind him. Horton gets set and left. 
Javier singles sharply to left field, and Brock heads home. The throw to freehand is perfect, and plate of Doug Harvey calls Brock out. Now let's take another look in slow motion. Look at Freehan's left leg blocking the plate. This could be the crucial play of this 1968 World Series. The Cardinals fail to score in the fifth. So it's still three to two. St. Louis leading as Tiger manager Mayo Smith makes a crucial decision and lets Mickey Lolich bat for himself in the last of the seventh with one out. He floops one to right. Ron Davis just missed with a diving catch and Mayo Smith's gamble is paid off. Dick McAuliffe comes up to bat against a new Cardinal pitcher. Riles has been relieved by Joe Horner who saved the third game for St. Louis. With one out, McAuliffe slaps the grounder through the right side. And the Tigers now have two men on base. The pressure increases on Horner when he walks Mickey Stanley to load the bases. And this brings up a veteran player of 16 seasons. Detroit's sentimental favorite, Al Kaline, playing in his first World Series. With one out and his team trailing by one run, he's the man on the spot. The count's one and one, and Kaline loops a hit into right center. In comes Lowich and McAuliffe with a tying and lead run. It's four to three Detroit. Kaline is having a great series. It sends the goose pimples off my back, and uh, it was a tremendous thrill to think that I was able to uh, do something for the fans after all these years. Norm Cash up next, and he'd like to buy some insurance. With two men on base, Norm slaps it through the right side. The Tigers now lead five to three as Stanley crosses the plate. As the Tigers take the field for the top of the ninth, it is now up to Mickey Lowlich to try and protect the two-run lead. When McCarver leads off the ninth with a single, Cardinal manager Red Shandings sends up his best pinch hitters to try and win the series. Ed Spezio, after fouling off eight pitches, singles to left. And now the tying runs are on base for St. Louis. With just one out, Roger Maris can put it away for good with a home run. And Maris has been known to hit quite a few. Lou Brock's on deck. But Lolich never wavers. He strikes Maris out. One out to go. And Brock the batter. Even the bullpen tensely watches. Lou tries to check his swing, but Lowlich has him. And the Tigers win 5-3 and send the series back to St. Louis. For hero Lowlich, a standing ovation and a kiss for Daddy. Bush Stadium, game six, and that rains here again. So's the excitement. Everyone's talking about that big play at the plate in game five, including Lou Brock. Well, that's a play that happens perhaps 15 to 20 times a year. It's an automatic play. Your reaction is automatic. Uh, depends on the reaction of the catcher. Uh, 
you're going standing up. And of course, uh, this particular play, uh, the catch was on front of the plate. And as I said, it was automatic as to what you're going to do. And as the play comes up a hundred more times in the series, I go in and stand up a hundred more times. Well, after the game the other day, the uh, Raiders came up to me and everybody wanted to know uh, if uh, Lou Brock touched the plate or not. I said I had to be the worst person in America to know because I was trying to catch the ball and couldn't see a thing. So all I know is that uh, I was surprised that he didn't slide and uh, I wasn't sure if he was coming back to argue about the play or not. I saw him start running back, so I just tagged him anyway. I didn't know exactly what he was coming back uh, if he was coming back to touch the plate. I was just making sure. Of course, I followed the batted ball into left field. I saw Willie Horton feel the thing. By now, Brock is coming around third base. I got myself back off the foul line and up out of Brock's way where he could clear me because I figured he would be coming in sliding. At the last second, as Brock starts past me, I take one step in towards him so I get a clear shot of the plate. In doing so, I see where Friend's got the, got the corner blocked, definitely. Now, he catches the ball just as Brock reaches it, and I know by the way he turns to him, he has to take him because they're going to hit chest on him and he's got the ball and glove against his chest. So I forget worrying about the tag. We go immediately to the plate. You see Brock's foot that he reaches with. To me, it looks like, you know, I say three to four inches to the side of the plate, and the other foot never touches it because now he hits the hip of Freehan, spins off, and Freehan is spinning with him. Now I see the ball come out clear because I have to wait to make sure that he holds the ball. Here in St. Louis, National League President Warren Giles will throw out the ball for the sixth game. Gussie Bush, the owner of the Cardinals, is confident of victory. As is Denny McLean, who is making his third try for a World Series victory. The Tigers are a team inspired. They threaten Ray Washburn in the second inning. Willie Horton at bat with Norm Cash on first. Willie whacks one out to the wall in left center for a double. And Cash races home with Detroit's first run. Bill Freehan at bat. He hasn't had a hit in 16 times up. And now he comes through with a single. When the ball slips by Lou Brock for a two-base error, Willie Horton scores, and Freehan goes all the way to third. Manager Red Shandine's worries are just beginning, and so is the Tigers' third inning. Washburn pitches to Stanley, who singles to left. McAuliffe with a walk goes to second. Kaline lines a single to center, scoring McAuliffe and sending Stanley to third. Lefty Larry Jaster comes in to relieve, and Cash singles to center, scoring Stanley and sending Kaline to third. After Horton walks to load the bases, Northrop hammers a grand slam into the right field stand. Hitting grand slammers isn't anything new for Jim Northrop. Well, this was the uh, fifth grand slam that I've hit this year. I've hit, I hit four during the regular season. Three of the five have been off left-handers this year, and uh, some of the others, I think I've hit eight in my career, and I think five or six of the eight have been off left-handers, too, so I've... I've had pretty good luck against left-handers. I don't know why. I guess I concentrate more and try to get a better pitch. Ron Willis relieves Jaster. The bases are loaded again as K-Line gets his second single of the inning and two more runs come home. 
when Dick Hughes replaces Willis, Norm Cash gets his second single of the inning to add another run. Then Horton singles off the pitcher's glove for still another run. It's absolutely dizzying. But when everything comes into focus, the Tigers have scored 10 big runs in one inning to tie an all-time World Series record. Steve Carlton facing K-Line in the fifth. And Al connects for his second World Series homer. But the Tigers hardly need the extra 13th run. By the last of the ninth, Danny McClain can feel some vindication for his earlier defeats. His tired arm had failed him in the first and fourth games, and he gives up a run in this game when Javier singles Maris across. But on just two days rest, Denny makes a vital contribution to the Tiger cause. He strikes out Maxville for the final out. Detroit has tied the series at three games off. A few days ago, it was a Cardinal runaway, and now it goes down to the final day. Game seven. Can Bob Gibson be beaten? Can the Tigers stop Lou Brock? Is Mickey Lolich going to wind up as the hero of this series? There are other stars, too, who have made this show so exciting. Norm Cash. Jim Northrup. Willie Horton. Al Kaline, the old pro who got his opportunity to be a series star because of Mayo Smith's daring gamble in moving Mickey Stanley from center field to shortstop. Orlando Cepeda. Julian Javier. Kurt Flood. Roger Maris playing the final game of his 11-year career. Mike Shannon. And Tim McCarver. But now is Gibson against Lowley. Both start strong. Gibson has retired 10 batters in a row. In the fourth inning, Mickey Stanley beats out a hit to deep short to become the first Tiger base runner. But Detroit fails to score. The intense duel goes scoreless into the sixth when Brock leads off with his 13th hit to tie Bobby Richardson's all-time record for most hits in the World Series. Now, Lulich takes great care with Brock at first. When Brock dares him to throw with that taunting lead, he fires to first. Cash makes a good throw. And there's a crucial out for the Tigers. Now it's Kurt Flood's turn to move. He just beats out an infield hit by an eyelash. Again, we see that good Lolich move. Flood is trapped off. He can't get out of the rundown, and two of the game's best base runners have been wiped out. Into the seventh it goes, still a pulsating 0-0 tie. Gibson has retired 20 of the first 21 batters he's faced. But Norm Cash connects for a single. It's only the second hit off Gibson. Up steps Tiger strong boy Willie Horton. Willie slaps a bouncer that just makes it. 
And this sets the stage for the breakthrough. Jim Northrup's the batter. Cash takes a leadoff second. Northrup hits a solid drive to center. Flood misjudges the ball, and it sails over his head. Two runs are in, and into third slides Northrup. It's two to nothing against superstar Bob Gibson. What happened to Flood, considered the best center fielder in the National League? Kurtz says the ball got lost momentarily in the white-shirted background. No doubt he lost sight of it, and then almost lost his footing. Detroit keeps it going. Bill Freehand drives one to left, and Brock can't quite make the catch. Northrop scores on the hit. Three to nothing in favor of the Titans. St. Louis desperately fights back. Mike Shannon comes to bat and lost one to left center, where Willie Horton and Jim Northrop are running a collision course. The ball drops and Shannon makes second. But not even a break like that can get the Cardinals started. It is now the ninth inning, and Bob Gibson still hangs in there. Red Shandings let him bat an inning earlier. I wanted him to finish, was the manager's tribute to his veteran star. Willie Horton singles as the Tiger bats get hot once more. Northrop bounces a hit up the middle to send pinch runner Dick Krzyzewski to third. Gibson now faces Don Wirt, who singles to center, and the Tigers get one last run, making the score four to nothing, Detroit. With two outs in the last of the ninth, Mickey Lolich faces Mike Shannon. One out left, Mickey looks the picture of relaxed concentration. But there goes Lulich's shutout as Shannon homers to left field. It gives the Redbird fans one last chance to cheer. Tim McCarver's up, two outs in the ninth. It's a pop-up. Bill Freehand waits for it. The Tigers are the new world champions. And the city of Detroit is one big happy clubhouse. 